got another one. Turn your Bibles with Matthew 6. We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We talked about giving God the glory and called him our Father, Abba Father, Romans chapter 8. Abba, real intimate relationship with, with our Father in heaven. Jerry pointed out in, in our time together this morning that, you know, when God, Jesus was on the cross, and, and, you know, I don't know whether you guys are, can I share it? Jerry, sure. share it with us. Share, get, share with them. Share about what Jesus, the last thing Jesus said. You, you articulated it very well. Say it, would you? Several times in the life of Christ toward the end of his ministry, he uh, made attempts to get the people of Israel, and particularly the leaders, the Pharisees, and, and ones that were the religious leaders uh, to understand that he was the Christ. He was the Messiah, the Son of God. And there just was unbelief and blindness on their part. And one of the last efforts that Jesus attempted to convince them that he was the Son of God was when he was on the cross. And when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was not he was not praying to God. He was quoting Psalms 22. And sometimes you read Psalms 22, and it was a psalm that in the Amplified Version, the Bible says that this was a song that they sang in their worship. The Jews, they understood that what everything that was said in that psalm, and if you read that psalm, you're going to see Jesus in all the phases of his life and especially his death, the week of his death. He was beaten. He was a gamble for his clothing. And all of this is in that song. And Jesus on the cross made he never he never in his ministry or in his personal prayer life with God ever cried out my God or prayed to my God. God was his father. He always referred to him as his father. And so it, it, it just amplifies the fact that Jesus in his dying day, dying moment on the cross, he proclaimed that song that they knew so well and sang it in their worship, revealing faith. I am what that song is speaking about. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. And even at that, their blindness kept them from understanding what it is what Jesus truly really meant. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Our fa- Father, he called him our Father, and that's why I took off with this. Our Father, our Father, it's very intimate. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy, holy, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's no sickness in heaven. 
He's saying he wants to heal. He wants to bring. That's why we sing. We, we pray, let your kingdom come. Your will be done right now on earth as it is in heaven. Let it come to be. Obviously, there's salvation there. People are saved and they're in heaven. And, uh, and so we see that how important this is. This is such an important understanding about our prayer life. I hope, pray this will stir your, your prayer life also, just going back to the basics about the, the Lord's Prayer and so forth. But I want to look at three things this morning. First of all is give us this day our daily bread. Praying to the Lord because we're dependent upon Him. Our natural tendency is to drift from God. And the Bible talks about drifting, the danger of drifting in, he, in the book of Hebrews. But our natural tendency is to be independent of God. And yet the Bible is telling us that we are dependent upon the Lord. And so give us this day our daily bread. Remember the Israelites who were coming out of Egypt? They obviously trust, they had to depend upon the Lord. There were millions of people, however how many. And they had to depend upon the Lord to rain down manna from heaven. And yet, every day, there was a fresh supply of manna. Uh, some people call it angel food that rained down from heaven. And yet, he said, don't take enough for you to store it over till the next day. Because if not, he said, it'll rot. It, you won't be able to eat it. In other words, our daily dependency upon our God is a dependent upon Obviously, God's supplying our needs, and He takes care of our, our needs. The Bible says in Philippians that He supplies all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. But we go to Him. Now, we know that God takes care of us, and we know that God gives us, and He gives us our daily bread, and uh, certainly so much more, but certainly He wants us to pray about it. Because why? It's a relationship. He knows before we ask what we need, but he says, you have not because you ask not. And so when you look at somebody we've been praying, this is an example, and I'll give the example Dan just brought up. Been praying for a long time for somebody to come and be able to speak Spanish in the food pantry because a lot of our families are Hispanic and uh, they may not speak English and so forth. I think it's to open a new door. But God answered prayer by allowing two ladies to come who are willing to come here. It's been a long time, to be honest with you, sometimes when we pray like this, it's like, Lord, it seems like a long time coming. But don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. God has a way of doing that because He develops that relationship. And actually, when in that prayer, when we begin to pray like that, actually, who gets changed? God doesn't need to be changed. We need to be changed. And in our prayer life, which is so important, and this is why it's developing here with what's happening, people coming forward and presenting things to us. This is God. Now, the devil doesn't want you to pray. He'll try to keep you from pray, prayer. In fact, we know the old saying is, is that prayer will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from prayer, right? We know that, and we know we talked about it, and I'll share here right at the end. I hope we get through it, but is that we'll obviously need to pray. And when we stumble and fall is we don't run away from God. We run to God. He's there with his arms wide open. And we've got to know that because the devil will tell you, don't you come back to God. You messed it and blew it for the last time. That's what the devil will always tell you. Don't come back. The flesh will rise up and say, I'm not good enough. No, you're not worthy. Jesus made us worthy to be able to come into the presence of a holy God. 
It's why the veil in the temple was rent when Jesus said it's finished. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We come with confidence knowing that God will supply all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. How important that is. When we ask Him and we see Him begin to take care of all of our needs, what does it do? It stirs our faith. Begins to stir us to want to pray more. He wants the relationship. We're so busy is we forget about that. And we go on about our daily task and we don't even pray about it. And a lot of times we get in a whole heap of trouble as a result of that, don't we? Need to pray. Need to ask the Father. Put it before the Father. David wrote this in Psalm 37. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. (laughs) If you've got a physical, you've got a natural need this morning, then whatever it may be, go to the Lord. Ask Him, Lord, Give us this day our daily bread. And I know that's for substance, certainly, but I believe it goes beyond that. We are spirit, soul, and body. And so he takes care of us all the way around, the whole person. He brings us into that place of wholeness. He says basically here today, we are to practically put the pedal to the metal in the sense of reality because we know that there are certain needs that people have. Food pantry is one way that we meet needs. Other other needs are met here today out in the marketplace as you work with people or maybe you help someone, whatever it may be. I mentioned yesterday that Ralph Breeding and Janet, I believe they have a gift of helps, if you could call it that, certainly. They have a, a way of, they wanted to help. They just help. They dig in. They get in and do it. And and uh, it, I believe it's something they were operating of. But in reality, even if you don't specifically have that particular gift, all of us are called to reach out and to help meet the needs of other people. And that's what Lighthouse Fellowship does. You know, God loves uh, with action and in truth here. He stoops down to touch us in our most basic needs. The Bible says in Acts 17, He gives us life and breath and everything else. And the word is in the NIV is everything else. It's important. And so prayer is an expression of dependency upon God. It's a humble recognition that we can't take care of ourselves without Him, and we need Him. And so it's very important to know that we have that natural tendency to feel very independent of God, and yet we are totally dependent on Him for life and breath and everything else. The second thing is, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are to go to the Lord and know He gives, He forgives freely, doesn't He? We think we got to do something, we got to kind of do some penance here for God to forgive us. No, we come and confess our sins and He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from, from all unrighteousness. We know He readily and freely gives, forgives. So we need to do that, but also we know that and we come to Him because we've, got, we've trespassed against Him. You know, I pray many times, Lord, forgive me of my known sins. If there's anything on my heart, show me. Forgive me of those things that are unknown. And then you've heard the expression, forgive me, Lord, of the sins of omission and the sins of commission. The things that we maybe have omitted, that maybe I have, have neglected to do, or maybe things I, I've kind of heard you and I thought, but I turned away and I didn't do that. Forgive me. Give me another chance. Maybe it's sometimes when I witness to people and share. Give me another opportunity, Lord, to be able to witness to people. And so 
we're asking the Lord to forgive us of our trespasses, but also we're asking uh, that we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, this, that's a hard one. We love to be forgiven. But sometimes when somebody hurts you deeply or hurts me deeply, it's kind of like, wow, I can't. it's hard to forgive. And, and that. it's not something that necessarily comes e- easy. But God is saying here very adamantly, he says there, if you don't forgive, then I'm not going to forgive you. Now, that's very, very serious, isn't it? The Bible is very clear about that, certainly. In uh, Luke chapter 18, he says, God, I thank you. Remember the Pharisee and uh, they had the humble servant that was there, the tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other men robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. And in contrast, remember the attitude of the self-righteous, uh, the tax collector, wouldn't even look up to heaven, and he prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Pharisee was saying, thank you that I'm not like them, you know, we kind of measure sin. We see somebody and say, you know, that God can't forgive them, and yet He's forgiven us. We don't realize what sin looks like to a holy God. I ask the Holy Spirit, show me my sin, Lord. I want to see it. I want to know it. I want to see it the way you see it, so that I do not fall into the trap of sinning against Thee. So God is saying today, we are forgiving those that trespass against us. You know, I've told the story here some time ago that planted a church in west side of Houston and there were some things that were happening and some things said some things about Cindy and I that were not true. And it hurt deeply and uh, we, they weren't true. And so eventually I felt like it was time I needed to resign. Things were happening, people getting healed, people getting delivered. There was a supernatural move of God in the late 80s and right there in the early uh, 90s. Still God's doing the same. He's the same. And so I resigned. I felt like God was saying you need to resign. And that's when I went and picked up and went into hospice. And I had forgiven the people that had said these things that were not true in my life and, and towards Cindy and I and forgiven them and so forth. And you know how often sometimes you go, wow, well, I forgive them and so forth. But the reality is when you forgive somebody, you can't stay in a neutral stance. You can't stay. God will do something to press you in to where you actually come and and you want those people blessed. Now, that pushes it a little bit further, doesn't it? And we can say, oh, God, I forgive them. And, you know, eventually it takes time. So just know that that's God calling us. He said, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he'll push you into that. Anybody, anybody here, have you got unforgiveness towards somebody in your heart? Anybody that you've got, forgive them. Begin the process of forgiving people who have spoken maybe a wrong. I mean, it could be they really did hurt you bad, and I don't deny that. But what does God say? Forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus forgave us, and so often we hold on to it. And, you know how much Jesus forgave us. He died on the cross for Jim Barcliffe's sins. And who am I not to extend mercy to people who have offended me? There's no way you can live this life because actually what happens is uh, psychologists know that you're in torment until you forgive. People are angry. And you see people angry today. Many times I believe it's because of unforgiveness. Thank you unforgiveness in their heart. 
another thing, the disciples, obviously, when you talk about uh, leaning upon the Lord and trusting in Him. Remember there, the disciples at the time of Jesus' arrest, um, what Jesus told His disciples, He said this, He said, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. There is the one purpose of prayer, to go to God for strength so that you and I can live the way that He wants us to live. Go to God for strength. What happened to them? They fell away, didn't they? I mean, they acted, they didn't even know Jesus. Jesus said, watch and pray. We had to watch and pray. We are living in a time that's perilous. We are under attack by the enemy himself. And if we, unless we pray, unless we put the full armor of God on in Ephesians 6, unless we stand strong in God's power and his might, then we'll not stand. I want to tell you, we are entering into a time that is critical. There are vicious attacks the enemy is bringing against this country. But do you see what's happening in this country? You see that a couple of the states have come up and said, let's take and uh, kill children there right when they're getting ready to be born, or if it doesn't do it then, then let's kill the child after childbirth. But there's states now saying that we're not going to allow killing of children when there's a heartbeat or after six weeks of pregnancy. We're not going. There is a pushback. I believe that this is a sign that there's something happening spiritually because people are saying no. And you and I as Christians had to rise up and say no to this darkness that's taken over this land, taking over our families today. Because if the darkness wasn't doing that, this church would be packed out. People would be standing wanting to come into church house today. And that's why we've got to pray like we've never prayed before. I've got to change my habits. I've got to change my way of doing things and pray like I've never prayed before. Because God is getting ready to do something so special. And I don't want to be left out. I, don't want, I want to be a part of what he's doing in the earth today. I don't care what it is, but I want to tell you it's going to be good. But it may be confronting, but we've got to learn, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the last thing is, is deliver us from the, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. That is basically saying, you're making a declaration of intent saying, I will not in any way uh, connect with the powers of darkness and go that way. But we need protection from the evil one. Our families are being torn apart. Our children today uh, are thinking all types of things. Their, their marriage no longer holds any significance. It's whatever anybody wants to do. It's almost very coinciding with the book of Judges, where everybody did what was right in their own sight. Instead of holding the plumb line of the Word of God up and measuring your life against the Word of God. Don't obviously fall to the temptation the enemy has. I'll share this with you in closing. A couple things. We got to know who we are. Anybody in here have a bad attitude? <laughs> what a way to start this little segment. <laughs> I'll try to finish. <laughs> um, yeah, and y'all hold a minute too because it's going to take just a few minutes. 
Now, I don't want to go over too bad, but I want to share with you that this is so important. <laughs> if you've got a bad attitude, listen to this. <laughs> or sometimes you have a bad attitude, but you've got a good attitude today here because you had to perk up because you're coming in church. One or the other. Uh, let me share this with Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes, attitudes of the heart. Here, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, I was sharing this Wednesday night. Remember Popeye the sailor man? I am what I am. Remember what he would do that? And he'd pop that can of spinach and so forth. Well, that's true. Because you say, Jim, I am who I am. Yes, you are what you are, but you're not yet what you will be. Hey, hallelujah. I am what I am, but I am not yet what I will be. God is very committed to finishing what He started. I've been talking about it this last six months and so forth. If you remember Moses, what happened when he, Moses, got called by the Lord? Well, God knew Moses stuttered. Moses was on the backside of the desert. He was herding the sheep, you remember? And he had his staff. And remember, he stuttered and all that. And God was calling him to deliver his children out of bondage, out of Egypt. Remember what Moses said? He had every excuse in the book. I can't talk. I can't do this. I can't do that. And so forth. Remember that? Well, God shows him. The problem with Christians today is saying, I can't do that. And I can't do that. And God has chosen you and me. And so what happened was Moses had his staff. And so Moses had his identity in what he did in his staff. And remember, God said, what's that in your hand? Well, throw it down. Remember, it became a snake and so forth. God was showing him the miracles of God and so forth. Because Moses' identity, he identified that he was nothing but a shepherd. And he was just there on the backside of the desert. And God said, no, 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 I have called you. See, he's called us. And no, 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 he's called you. And he's called me. And until we find out who we are in Christ and the power of God within us and understanding our identity is not wrapped up in our failures. Our identity is not wrapped up in our past. Our identity is wrapped up in Jesus. You got to know. It sets you free. Because if you let your circumstances change your attitude, you basically identify and say, well, my circumstances are my identity. And that's a lie. Your identity is in Jesus. And what's the Bible say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A guy named Viktor Frankl, he was a Jew. He was in a concentration camp. And he said this, everything, and he was watching a massacre going into gas chamber, pulling the bodies out, watching the bodies burn. He was there. Why, listen to what he said. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Don't, everything else can be taken away. But your attitude cannot, obviously, be taken away. It's up to you. We make a choice about our attitude. And when we identify and it somehow our circumstances changes our attitude, we've forgotten who we are in Christ. It should become as natural for you and me to be overflowing with hope to a world that has no hope. You and I are filled with hope. Are you filled with hope? You and I should be overflowing with hope because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. That's our identity. And God Almighty is saying, don't let your circumstances change your attitude. 
because it's very important. Remember David, what he said? He came up and all of the, the, the Israelites, they were shaking in their boots when they were standing before the Philistine army and Goliath, remember, and all that. And little David comes up there and didn't even want to put the armor on. He was just bringing them lunch. And he looked at this uh, Philistine, huge, evidently very, very huge. Y'all know the story, David and Goliath and so forth. And remember what he said? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? Who is it? And you and I should have the same attitude. Who is this particular situation in my life that comes up against me as trying to discourage me, trying to somehow think that I identify with my circumstances or with my failure or whatever it may be? Get out of my way and walk through it because God didn't come to bring defeat to you and his children. He came to bring the victory and the victory is ours, but we got to know we have it. There's no way. Otherwise, remember when Moses said, who am I going to tell the people that are carrying us out here and doing this and that? Remember that? All God said, what did he say? Anybody? I am. That's all he said. What does that mean? I am all you need. I am with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Three things I'll leave you with this. First of all, is you and I, we're loved. We are loved. Amen? Amen. Y'all believe you're loved? Jesus loves me, this I know. You're loved, I'm loved. The church is loved. He loves the body of Christ. Jesus loves the body. He gave himself for, his, for the body of Christ, his church, his church, his church. He calls us to victory. The second thing is, is you and I are forgiven. We are forgiven. If you're a child of God, you're forgiven. Now, I know you confess your sins if you stumble, and that is to keep the fellowship open with the Father because it blunts our fellowship with Him. Somehow we know something's not right. We ask to be forgiven of our trespasses as we, ask, we forgive those who trespass against us, right? The second thing, you're forgiven. You've got to know that. The third thing is, as you and I are accepted. You believe you're accepted? You're accepted in the Beloved. Amen? You're accepted. Don't let the devil tell you not accept that somehow you blew it, because what happens again, what you do is you identify with your failures. Our identity is in Christ. And Jesus, He won it all. He won the victory. Set you free. Christ has set us free. God wants us to live it. He wants us to know it down deep in your heart. Don't identify with that. Viktor Frankl said, the only thing that they can't take away from us is our attitude. And what we do is we choose to allow our attitude to change when we see circumstances, being afraid, uh, one of the guys that teaches on my uh, mentoring program that I'm in, his wife is a uh, just accomplished pianist, and she can play anything. I love it too. It's like Mary; she can play anything put before, and she can play anything. And, it, and Mary can tell you this too. I guarantee you that somehow it just comes natural. It just comes natural. I mean, it's like she can close her eyes and she can hit those keys, those, those key, the keyboard, and, and it just comes natural. You and I should live that way also. Is that when we face things that are difficult in our lives, don't allow it to change your attitude. It should come natural that we know our identity is in Jesus Christ. He's won, the, he has given us the victory. He leads us in triumphal procession before his enemies. Thank you, Jesus. Just know you're free. 
Nothing, nothing can separate us. Remember what Paul in Romans chapter 8, he says, is neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither any principalities, nothing. He said, I'm, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen? Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, bless this congregation. Thank you for your presence here today. What an honor to stand here today. Share the word of God, truth. I pray the word of truth would pierce every person's heart in their life. But I pray, Lord, just so importantly, that, Lord, every person here would know their identity in Jesus Christ. And Lord, they will not be swayed when adverse conditions and, and circumstances come their way. Our attitudes will be like the attitude of Jesus Christ there in Philippians chapter 2, who humbled himself as a servant, gave himself, and, and he had one mission, and that was to please the Father. I pray we also would have one mission, one, one goal, one, one thing in our lives, and that is to please you, Father, our Father who art in heaven. May you forever be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.